0: We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Attack... ...Frogs? Hey, it's Coolio, if you don't know, and it is time for yet another episode of Squarewave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 in lovely sunny downtown Halifax. Uh, Looking like a pretty good day, but possibly not such a good weekend all weekend. Well, we'll get to that in about half an hour's time. For now, it is time to uh, sit back, relax. It is the weekend. It is time for this sort of thing. And it is time to check out what is new over at LowBiasGaming.net, shall we? And right now, there's really, honestly, not a whole lot as far as new Let's Play videos. Uh, We have six new episodes of Vagrant Story uh, by Jason, and, well, that's about it. Um, There should be some more stuff coming up if I can ever get around to it. I have a couple of um, series that I need to get around to actually editing and then uploading, uh, which I haven't done yet, but um, hopefully very soon. Uh, We have a soundtrack for the game Space Quest, among others, as well as the 365 days of the Super Nintendo, still in full swing with the latest entry for today, Mortal Kombat, Um, which it seems like Jason doesn't really like, and, well, I guess I kind of get where he's coming from, but um, you can see if you agree with his views of the game by watching the video, and it's all there at lowbiasgaming.net. Anyway! That is pretty much all I got to say for the intro, so let's get us to some music listening, shall we? Here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, you're listening to Square Wave Symphony. are listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was by Seth Parker and is the menu music for today's game from the archives. Octodad is a third-person adventure game about destruction, deception, and fatherhood. The player controls Octodad, a dapper octopus masquerading as a human as he goes about a day of his life. His existence is a constant struggle as he must master mundane tasks with his unwield- unwieldy bonus- boneless tentacles while simultaneously keeping his cephal- cephalopoden nature a secret from his human family. So, yes, this is Octodad. It's, um, well, I guess it's an adventure game ish something like that Uh, as for the pc is developed and published by young horses and released in 2011 and it is a very strange game is it is one of those games that is a lot more fun to watch than it is to play quite honestly um there's a lot of that sort of game and i don't particularly care all that much for it honestly but jade did task himself with playing this game out of all people in the group. And um, he has two videos up on LowBiasGaming.net, so it should be a pretty good watch. That was Null to Zero by Ensnare, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Squarewave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, well, you know what's coming up. It's the News of the Weird. Of course it is, because why wouldn't it be? Well, it wouldn't be if I had actually found another source to read news from. Um, I am still kind of on the lookout for something along the lines of News of the Weird, but... Um, in a different source so if you have any information on that please let me know over on twitter at square sim also i do not read these stories ahead of time and some of these may not jive well with all audiences but they have been scanned for any uh, objectionable material this segment is about uh 13 15 minutes long or something like something along those lines so take that as you will. Our lead story for today: Dumb and Dumber, and it has nothing to do with Jim Carrey. Rogers, Arkansas neighbors Charles Eugene Ferris, 50, and Christopher Hicks, 36, were hanging out on Ferris's back porch on March 31st, drinking and enjoying the spring air. Ferris was wearing his bulletproof vest because why not? And invited Hicks to shoot him with a 22-caliber semi-automatic rifle. Hmm. KFSM reported the vest blocked the bullet from striking Ferris, but it still hurt and left a red mark on his upper chest. Next Hicks doomed the vest and Ferris, quote, donned the vest and Ferris, quote, unloaded the clip into Christopher's back, according to the police report, also leaving bruises. That's where it all would have ended had Ferris not gone to the hospital, where staff alerted the Benton County Sheriff's Office. Ferris initially told officers an elaborate story about being shot while protecting, quote, an asset, quote, in a dramatic gunfight, but Ferris's wife spilled the beans about the back porch challenge. Both men were arrested for suspicion of aggravated assault. Okay, one, a bulletproof vest is generally good for one shot. Doesn't matter where, one shot. Second, wearing a bulletproof vest is not an invitation for people to go shooting you. What? Oh my goodness, you people. Anyway. more of the story is, don't ask someone to shoot you. Whether or not you're wearing a bulletproof vest, it doesn't matter. Our next story, quirky. In downtown Borrego Springs, California, a curious sign tops a five-foot-tall post in front of the Anza-Borrego Desert Natural History Association gift shop. This post not currently in use. Mike Mike McElhatton, the uh, association's education director, if I can remember how to read, told the San Diego Union Tribune, when I started working here I saw this post that had obviously been there for a long time. At first I just wondered what in the heck was the post for and then I got the idea to put a sign on it. Michael not seemed disappointed with the response though. Amazingly, we don't get a whole lot of comment about it. I've seen people walk up and they just look at the sign and they just keep going. Wait, so what kind of post are you talking about? Like a uh, signpost or something like that? I guess. Um, Signpost without a sign, which now has a sign that says the post is not currently in use. Um... Yeah, I would be asking questions about that personally, but uh, then again, I don't live in California, so... I guess we'll just move on. Our next story, why not? Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin, tried a new venue for staging an opera on March 30th and 31st, Underwater. Breathe, a multidisciplinary water opera, featured dancers, percussionists, singers, a flute, and some other orchestra instruments, some above water and some below. Composer and musical director Lauren Kiyoshi Dempster, uh, told WLUKTV W Luck that he was skeptical at first. It's been kind of kind of one of the great surprises of my life that you could play cello underwater. He said, "A device used by marine biologists to record underwater sounds delivered the music above uh, above the surface for audience members." Yeah, you know, that's the thing is that sound sound does kind of carry underwater it carries differently though so you get a completely different dynamic as far as underwater sounds like that it's really kind of an interesting thing and i want i actually want to see if there's like a recording of that because that sounds really cool Our next story, police report. On March 29th, in a suburb of Stockholm, Sweden, an off-duty police officer was enjoying a nice sauna when he noticed that another man in the sauna was a fugitive wanted for aggravated assault, among other offenses. They recognized each other, uh, police spokesperson Karina Skagerlin told the Associated Press, and quote, the naked police officer calmly told the man that he should consider himself arrested. The officer called for backup. And, quote, the arrest was undramatic, she added. I'm always on duty. That's all I gotta say. Um, Our next two stories are under the subtitle, whoops, Harris County, Texas, civil court judge Bill McLeod, who was sworn in last November, accidentally resigned on April 1st, but it wasn't an April Fool's joke. Reuters reported that McLeod shared his plan online to run for the state Supreme Court without realizing that such an announcement amounts to a resignation according to the state's constitution. McLeod himself did not comment on the gaffe, but county commissioners may be able to keep him in office until a special election can be held. See, that's the thing. It's like April Fools nowadays has become such a huge event like worldwide and across so many different facets of media that it's hard to figure out who's being serious and who's not like for instance gmail was released on april 1st i don't remember what year but it was released on april 1st and everyone thought it was a joke and then April 2nd roll around and it was still there. So really gotta watch when announcements happen. And I've seen some people actually de- either delay or um, either delay announcements or then announce them early and put them in effect early just to avoid it being on April 1st. Anyway our next story under Oops Detroit police say they can't confirm what made an unnamed 15-year-old man shoot himself in the foot on March 19th, but rumor has it he was aiming for something entirely different. WDIV-TV reported that the man who uses a wheelchair was trying to kill a cockroach by throwing his shoe at it. The shoe contained his handgun and it fell out of the shoe and discharged, striking his foot. Police said the man was in stable condition after the incident. Why was your gun in your shoe? what possible use could that have oh boy i can't i cannot figure out the situation where it would be useful to have a gun in your shoe let's just leave it at that it was an oops and hopefully you won't have done it again our least competent criminals for the week we have two of them this week who has time to bother with long lines and bureaucracy at the driver's, uh, driver's license office? Not Mr. Tang of the, of Luzhou, China, who was pulled over for a routine check as he drove uh, as he rode his silver motorcycle on March 31st. Tang was happy to produce his license, carried in the customary cover, reported Oddity Central. But when officers examined it, they realized it was homemade. He he behaved very calmly as he took out the license, a traffic police officer said, but I was shocked when I saw what was inside. Tang had simply written all the pertinent information found on a standard driver's license on a piece of lined notebook paper, then glued a photo to himself to the paper. When pressed for an explanation, Tang said he was too lazy to study for the license exam and didn't want to spend the money on driving classes. He thought a handwritten license would be better than nothing at all. I didn't expect the traffic police to be so serious, Tang said. No, I'm pretty sure that nothing at all would have probably been better, because now you've just, um, in a way, in a certain interpretation, you've just forged a government document. And I I know that they don't look very kindly upon that in Canada, they probably don't in China either next uh, story of of uh, least competent criminals where others see innocent little girls raising money for educational programs, some see an opportunity to pad their bank account. So it went for Brian Couture, 40, of Forest Grove, Oregon, who is accused of going to elaborate lengths to skim more than $700 of Girl Scout cookie money from his daughter. Forest Grove police responded to a 911 call at Couture's home on March 6th where the man said an intruder had entered his home and struggled with him. When police arrived, according to KPTV, Couture was quote, unresponsive and was taken to the hospital with undisclosed injuries while K9 units set out to look for the thief around the neighborhood, alarming residents. Police said Couture later admitted to investigators that he had staged the whole thing, but at his hearing on March 29, he pleaded not guilty to initiating a false report. The money, according to a Girl Scout spokeswoman, Is still unaccounted for. It's Girl Scout money, you don't touch that! It's there for a reason. Anyway. (coughs) Excuse me. Our next story, under the heading Weird Signs, in Cachoeira Alta, Brazil, Judge Felipe Luiz Peruca handed down an unusual judgment in a paternity case that involved identical twin potential fathers. The mother of a young girl filed a paternity suit against twin A, who accused twin B of being the actual father, reported the BBC. DNA tests showed an equal probability for the two men to be the father, so Judge Peruka ordered them both to pay maintenance for the daughter. As a result, she will receive twice as much as she would with only one father. One of them is acting in bad faith in order to hide the fact that he is the father, the judge wrote. Such vile behavior cannot be tolerated by the law. I mean, I guess that's one way to handle it, because if if they both had to pay half, then one would be getting penalized and one would be kind of halfway getting off, whereas now they're both getting you know, penalized the same. It's still not fair for the one that didn't do it. Unless there's some weird sort of shadow pact where they kind of merged together into one person, did the deed, then split apart and went about their business, but I don't think that's a thing that can happen in real life. So I'm going to I'm going to bet on no for that one. Anyway, our next story. Awesome. The harsh winter left many city streets around the country riddled with potholes, but in Muskegon Heights, Michigan, one 12-year-old boy is not waiting for the slow-moving government to fix them. Monty Scott started filling potholes around his neighborhood with dirt from his own yard in late March. I didn't want people messing up their cars like my mom did, Scott said WZZM13, or WZZM I suppose. United States, they would have to pay like 600 to $700 to get their card fixed. They would be mad. His mom, Trinelle Scott, said that's just the type of kid he is. He's a good kid and there are a lot like him in the community. I agree. Good kid. He, um, maybe someday he'll uh, run for his, um, for, like, municipal government and then try to do good things and realize that Good things are hard to do when you're actually in government because money, because it's always the money. Our last story, high school hijinks at Secaucus High School in New Jersey. Two freshman boys received charges of computer criminal activity and conspiracy to commit computer criminal activity instead of extra credit points. After they crashed the school's Wi-Fi network on several occasions to avoid having to take exams, authorities announced April 1st. NJ.com reported that investigators believe the boys took requests from other students to jam the signals during specific times. I was surprised on how a kid our age or close to our age was able to do something like this, commented one 10th grader. She said arresting them seemed a little heavy handed. They are messing with people's education, but they aren't harming anyone. That's a matter of interpretation. Superintendent Jennifer Montesano said the, quote, system has been restored and is now fully operational. Back to the books, kids. But for one shining moment, the system is down. The system is down. I can't can't properly do that. Just go watch Strong Bad and you'll understand what I'm saying. Anyway, it is time to take a look at the weather for this week. It is currently... Uh, four degrees here in Halifax with no wind chill reported. Tonight we're looking at uh, in- oh, it's mainly sunny. Tonight we're looking at a low of minus three and increasing cloudiness. Wind west twenty kilometers per hour, gusting to forty, becoming light this evening. Wind becoming southwest twenty overnight, and um, wind chill of minus eight in the evening. Saturday, April sixth, rain showers or flurries and a high of. Sp- Plus 7 degrees, uh, looking specifically at a snowfall amount of about 2 centimeters, rainfall amount about 2 millimeters, and wind southwest 30 kilometers gusting to 50. Um, And at night, a 6% chance of showers and a low of 0 degrees. Sunday, April 7th, quite the spread in temperature. Uh, High of plus 10 and sunny at night, going down to a low of minus 7 and clear skies. Uh, Monday, April 8th, a high of plus 4 and sunny skies going down to a low of minus 2 and snow or rain overnight. Tuesday, April 9th, the rain or snow persists with a high of plus 7 going down to a low of minus 1 and cloudy skies at night. Wednesday, April 10th, a 30% chance of flurries or rain showers and a high of plus 5 going down to a low of minus 2 and cloudy periods at night. And Thursday, April 11th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 7 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax, and let's get some more music going. That was Protoflight with Infinite from the album Chiptunes Equals Wind Volume 5. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax. And, uh, well, here's something that I haven't done in a while. I decided to take a classic video game series and mangle its canon just enough to make it look like some original thing when really I'm retelling the same story over again in a slightly different way. I mean, all the game companies are doing it. Hollywood is, too, so can't really be that hard, right? Of course, I'm not going to go on about this forever, so I'm trying to impose a timeline on this, too, so we'll see how it goes anyway. Which series I'm talking about should become fairly evident in not too long, so let's start this little session of video games in 10 minutes or less. A long time ago, there was a land, and it was ha- is in- it was inhabited by orcs on one side and gnomes on the other side. And no, it's not Azeroth. Or maybe it is. Or maybe it's Draenor, but it's probably none of these things. Anyway... Like any separate groups of people, they didn't really get along all the time, but well enough that nothing particularly bad ever happened. At least until the dragons came, dragging along their myriad piles of treasure gems with them. Rubies, emeralds, sapphires, ultimately they had none of these, but they had—they did have a bunch of pretty pieces of colored glass and it was worth something to them, so it was good enough. I mean, our money is basically just pieces of paper with different colors and numbers, so it really isn't that strange of a concept. Anyway, I digress again. See, these dragons can't leave well enough alone, so some bribery and inconceivable crossbreeding later, suddenly there were Norks. And there are more and more Norks, until there are no more gnomes or orcs. Just around that time, one particularly ugly and particularly wily Nork was uh, was born. He was so ugly and wily that he was given the name Nasty. As he grew up, it became clear that he was getting to be a troublemaker, rallying other Norks to wreak havoc upon the ancestral lands of their forebears, and eventually the Norks were pushed aside and Nasty specifically was exiled to the dragon's trash heap. In between all this, a dragon was born to the land, possibly the first one actually. The dragon family almost called him Pyro, but that seemed to be a little on the nose so they tacked an S at the beginning of it. This newborn little dragon mostly came into his own pretty quickly though, For uh, although for some reason he never did get the hang of swimming or flying for the longest time. Anyway, one day someone decided to hold an interview for some reason. Honestly, I can't figure this one out. Dragons don't have TV or radio. If they do, I haven't seen it. But still, Nasty was able to catch the interview by plot methods, I guess, which was about how much treasure they have, how much land they have, and how stupid Nasty is. Well, of course, he didn't like that, so he got mad, zapped all the dragons into statues, zapped a bunch of tre- a treasure into norc underlings, and sent thieves to steal the eggs they were guarding. Uh, well, I say he zapped all the dragons, but the little half-pint Spyro was standing right by someone else at the time, so he was able to avoid the attack. But nasty got Thomas, Magnus, uh, Co- Cosmos, Jed, Wait Just wait a minute here. Uh, uh, these are all male names uh, <laughs> so how did spyro and the eggs <laughs> never mind i probably don't want to know or maybe we'll find out soon enough anyway fortunately spyros had felt some sense of responsibility, so with the help of his dragonfly buddy, buddy Sparse, he decided to go through all the dragon realms to rescue everyone and then assault Naughty's, uh, Nasty's island in the biggest flame war the land had ever seen. Eventually, he broke everyone free and recovered all the treasure and dragon eggs, only for Nasty to be a butt and turn everyone into a statue again. This kept happening for an indeterminate amount of time until someone had the sense to just put him down. I don't mean, like, kill him, I just mean, like, strap him to the floor and take away his magic scepter. Anyway, when all that was done, Spyro was in dire need of a vacation. So he took a portal to Dragon Shores and ended up in a place that definitely wasn't Dragon Shores. Suddenly he was in a land called Avalar, faced with a smart-mouthed fawn named Alora, an airheaded and probably unintentionally condescending-sounding cheetah named Hunter, and a, uh, mole, I guess, named... Does he have an actual name? Everyone just kind of calls him the professor. Anyways, he was playing with his balls. Orbs. Orbs. Magic orbs. Magic orbs which he had had attached to the portal to hijack the one Spyro took to get to to Dragon Shores. There were like 57 of them or something. Anyway, there was no beach and that was a huge concern to the dragon. What was more concerning was the jerk-faced dinosaur thing named Ripto behind him, zapping his own magic scepter around and making a scene. He busted the portal Spyro came out of before his minion, getting tricked by a fairy named Zoe, clocked him upside the head, causing the scepter to end up in the mouth and subsequently the stomach of his mount. So now Alora starts barking at Spyro about how he has to stop Ripto's evil plans. Actually, do you know how Ripto got to Avalara? Because the professor had a brilliant idea to basically build a stargate out of all of the orbs, and Hunter had the brilliant idea of putting it in his birthbate as coordinates. Suddenly the place is invaded by Riptox and they're building more portals to try to summon dragons for help. You know how I said this isn't Azeroth or Draenor? I'm starting to believe otherwise. They need to watch out with those portals or else the world is going to shatter. Anyway, Ripto's magically sealed himself inside a castle and now Spyro has to collect 40 of those orbs to get in there and kick his butt out. Of course it can't just be that easy, people in Avalor don't trust you unless you can gather all the talismans from everyone to prove that you're a cool guy, so that's also a thing. Also, on top of that, one, money, uh, mon- one money-grubbing money face called Moneybags has it bad for those little dragon gems scattered everywhere. Apparently capitalism ha- is a rampant problem on planet Azernor. At least he teaches Spyro how to swim, which, I mean, really, what's with these platformer heroes and their inhibitions against swimming? Anyway, time passes, time passes, and, oh, Ripto's gone now, yay, hooray, Avalar is saved, and now Spyro can go to Dragon sh- WRONG! You gotta get every orb. Come on, Professor, it only took you two of them to get Spyro! <sighs> oh, fine... Oh, by the way, we do get to find out how new dragon eggs occur. Apparently, every 12 years, the fairies come to the dragon realms and bring a bunch of eggs along with them. My best guess is that the females live somewhere else. Kind of a Lucy-Ricky configuration. Nobody's going to get that reference, and I don't care. Anyway, not long after the whole Avalar thing, the year of the dragon festival took place. Turns out, though, that Ness York had, like, a pen pal girlfriend or something called the Sorceress yeah nice name who lives in a place that the dragons used to own and through the process of natural resource depletion completely ruined and abandoned anyway the sorceress has you guessed it a scepter and magic powers and was probably pretty angry at the fact that nasty got picked on so she sent her apprentice a bunny girl named bianca uh, to steal all the dragon eggs. Hunter, who was there for some reason, came upon this plot when Bianca stepped on his tail when while stealing the last egg. Pretty wily cheetah there. And uh, imme- he immediately warned Spyro because apparently none of the bigger dragons can do what Spyro can. I mean, seriously, these guys are like complete pushovers, probably with some hedonistic lifestyle, and Spyro's the only person who gives a care. Anyway, uh, apparently the sorceress, who lost her name 7 years ago in a scepter fight, was also able to hire moneybags to capture Spyro's animal friends who have totally always been there or weren't just now added for game diversity reasons, Sheila the Kangaroo, Sergeant Bird the Penguin, Agent 9 the Monkey, and Bentley the Yeti. Of course, mercenary that he is, moneybags who, who, like Dumbledore, is never played by the same actor two games in a row, can always be bought out. And, I mean, it's not like he gets to keep that treasure once he runs out of excuses to collect. Spyro kicks his butt and collects it all back anyway. So, why does the Sorceress want all these dragon eggs anyway? Just cause havoc, try to bring an end to the dragon species? Not really, she just wants to tear off her wings and make an immortality potion. What? Please explain to me what property baby dragon wings specifically... Uh, has which grants frickin immortality I can say for sure that the very concept would grant someone immorality but that's about as close as you're gonna get lady anyway Bianca finds out about this and of course she didn't know anything about this to begin with so why did she agree to this plan at the start why did she not ask questions who knows plot reasons she just wants to learn magic and have a cool scepter like everyone else take your pick Anyway, she's not too happy about it, and it turns out and turns against the sorceress, who then decides to capture Hunter. Which, I mean, fine, guy's annoying. I don't like him, but Bianca does because, of course. So let's go kick the sorceress's butt because she probably deserves it. In any case, save all the, the the dragonlings, save Hunter, save the world, save your game, save your time by knowing that this was the last really good Spiral game, and then Insomniac relinquished the rights. A bunch of mediocre games happened. Yada yada yada. Skylanders, the end. So yeah, that <laughs> I certainly hope that you enjoyed that, um, and um, that is going to be it for that story um let me know what you thought of it over on twitter at square s-y-m you're listening to square wave symphony on ckdu 88.1 fm halifax was "Caller of Storms by Sean Daly and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And I found a thing. Yes, I found a thing and I will share that thing with you in a segment I still originally call I found a thing. And uh, this is actually a thing that I had found uh, quite some time ago. But um, I was just made aware of it once again um, like a couple of days ago, honestly. So um, some people might think that skills from video games are kind of non-transferable. Well, there are sometimes some exceptions to that. And you might think like hand-eye coordination and critical thinking skills and stuff like that. But no, some people, this one, this one person in particular took actual skills, like skills from the game itself and used them in order to save his and his sister's life. And that game is World of Warcraft. And this will make, if you haven't heard this story before, this will make sense in a minute. World of Warcraft skills save boy and sister from moose attack. This is from geek.com and and, uh, written by uh, Matthew Humphreys from back in 2010. Gaming skills are clearly transferable to real-life situations, as one Norwegian boy will tell you. 12-year-old Hans-Jorgen Olsen called upon skills gained through playing World of Warcraft to save himself and his sister from a moose attack. The two children were walking in a forest near their home and had strayed into the territory of a moose. The animal decided to attack the intruders, putting both their lives at risk. Hans had to think of something quickly as to how to save his sister and brought to mind some of the skills he had learned playing the MMO. The first skill that came to mind was taunt, which in the game attracts the attention of a mob, or if you're not familiar with the term, of an enemy creature, monster, whatever you want to call them, but in this instance attracted the attention of the moose onto Hans while his sister escaped. With his sister then safe, Hans needed a way of saving himself, so he called upon another wow skill, feign death. By doing this in-game, you hope the enemy will ignore you and move off. Hans bravely tried the same thing with the moose, and it worked. The animal soon lost interest and left the boy alone. Next time someone complains that you're spending too long playing World of Warcraft, just tell them it's preparation for real life situations by gaining new skills. If they need further convincing, supply the link to this story, which I'll provide in the podcast chapters as I usually do. As brave as Hans was, he also put his life in danger with the actions he took. The taunting saved his sister, but the feigning death could have backfired. This. this article says could of it's not could of it's could have could have backfired and ended in serious injury although the focus here is on skills he learned in game i wonder what other what hans would have done if he'd not played wow or if he was into more violent games would we be reading about a 12 year old moose killer right now who can say um so yeah that's, that's kind of an interesting story honestly Um, it's well, I'm not really sure that I agree with um, such young people playing games like World of Warcraft well, I guess it's not that bad there are much worse games out there than World of Warcraft I'm going to tell you but um, yeah if I wonder I'm left to wonder I mean, it's, it's 19 years later now He's like 31 or so. Uh, it's not 19 years later, it's 9 years later. Math! So he's like 21. Is he still playing World of Warcraft, I wonder? What did he play then? What does he play now? Like... Presuming that he's still playing World of Warcraft. Um, what has taunt... I guess the, um... Druids have taunt? Well, most, most of the tank classes do. Um, feigned death though, that would more... Like, if you're looking for a class that has both taunt and feigned death, it'd probably be a druid, wouldn't it? It's been a while since I've played, so I'm just kind of talking out of memory here, but, um... Still kind of an interesting thing to to think about, though. It's like, what if he had... What if you were playing more violent video games? What if the feigned death hadn't worked? But... Even if the feigned death hadn't worked, at least he saved his sister. That's more than that's a better action that he took than just kind of freaking out and panicking. That would have gotten no. That would have gotten nobody anywhere, other than possibly in the hospital or worse. So, anyway, I realize I'm just kind of rambling at this point. Um, so yeah, let's go to some music then. You're listening to Square Waves Infinity on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That last one was... It's not on my screen right now. (laughs) Orange Dreamsicle by Off-Road Unicycler from the compilation album A Bit of Awesome, A Chiptune Suite. And that is rounding off our hour for today. Yes, the show is over. But I will be back with uh, some more stuff um, next week. And possibly... Possibly I know actually what I'm going to be doing next week. I'm not 100% sure on it yet. But... We shall see. We shall see. Anyway, time to wrap things up as I usually do. The Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Manema Namiki, Noriyuki Kamakura, Simon Whittington, Reverb, Pink Projects, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU. Unfortunately, the Witching Hour is not going to be um, on today, I don't believe, unless there is a replay on. Um, But that is yet to be seen. That's at 7. And at 8, anything goes with CKDU Surprise. Comments, questions? Want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at Squaresim. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash Squaresim or just search for Square Wave Symphony. Square Wave is one word on Apple Podcasts, Google Play or TuneIn Radio or almost any podcast app that you may so have. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time.